Hello, my friends. I'm Sheila Pearl, the Love Doctor, and this is Let's Talk About Making Love Better, a new podcast starting on Valentine's Day and moving forward through 2021. So as many of you may know by now, the thrust of this conversation is all about the various faces of love, the aspects of love in our lives, and the question, how can we make that loving connection, that loving relationship, that could be a relationship with ourselves, could be a relationship with a significant other, could be a relationship with a sibling, a child, a coworker, and it could be a relationship with our own creativity, it could be a relationship with our own passions and our sense of purpose. So let's talk about making love better, is about all the parts of our lives that serve us in being who we are and allowing us to love our lives and to love others without needing them to validate us. That's a big deal, right? So I've invited Justin Torres to join us today for this conversation. Justin and I have been in deep conversation for several years now. He is a coaching client and uh, he's asked, he asked me in the very beginning of our relationship to assist and support him in seeking to clarify his own purpose in life, his direction in life, and not the least of which was his being more able to choose the right partner for himself. And so this is a journey as it is with all of us. So I've invited Justin to join me today for this conversation about what it takes to be on a path to be out there dating and, and basically interviewing people in, in the course of dating for a, a potential partner and uh, for, for life or for a season or for a reason. As they say, people come into our lives for sometimes a reason, a season, and sometimes a lifetime. And what I know in my life, although I was married to the love of my life for 32 years, it didn't happen easily, and I didn't meet him until I was 30. We didn't get married till I was 32. And so, you know, it was not uh, a, quick, a, a quick find. And for many of us, it's not a quick find. So, Justin, uh, one of the things we've been talking about recently is the whole idea of the X factor or the it factor. And in our more, more, most recent conversation this week, actually, we were talking about something that you have noticed is important to you, and that is meeting someone with whom you're equally yoked. And that's a very interesting term. So I want you just to kind of take it and run with it in terms of what that means to you and, and, and what you've learned along the way so far in, in kind of what we call the trial and error process of noticing who you're attracted to and then beginning to wonder, I wonder what I had in mind. Mm -hmm. Well, Sheila, uh, just to start, thank you for having me on. And um, yeah, my, uh, I guess, you know, you could say that, <clears throat> excuse me, that my story is um, pretty somewhat alike uh, stories of a lot of young men, you know, uh, except that, you know, I guess I am a little bit different in that um, I feel that I'm looking for something and someone a little bit different than many other people may be looking for. You know, I find that a lot of men, uh, especially, you know, a lot of uh, my own friends are looking for something very different in a woman in a girlfriend, in a partner, uh, than, than I am. Um, and what, that, what, kind that, of, what kind of different, Justin? Um, well, you know, I have friends that really they're just, um, how do I describe it? You know, I think that they just want it to be easy. You know, they, they um, you know, they may see themselves reaching a certain age where they think, hey, it's time for me to start to think about becoming a father. So, you know, let me just find someone really quickly so I can, you know, achieve my goal of being a father. So I can achieve my goal of, of having 
um, a lifestyle uh, that, you know, was taught to me from a young age, right? So many of uh, my friends, you know, I, I think what it is, is they see that, you know, their parents, when their parents were 30, 35 years old, they were married and they were having kids. And they think to themselves that they need to do the same thing, okay? They see themselves upper 20s, 30, low 30s, still single, and they start to, uh, in my opinion, they start to settle for less than, than I think that they're worth. Um, and, you know, I've seen it actually quite a bit, you know, in people that I uh, used to work with and, you know, people that I still talk to as well that, um, you know, they, they kind of settle for uh, a person who is very unlike them. Um, in my, in, in my feeling is that's because uh, they, they just want to get married and they just want to have kids and, you know, and, and that's okay. You know, I'm not, I'm not judging that, but that's just, that's just not me. Well, what you know? I, okay. So Justin, let me just jump in and, and make an observation here that you're learning a lot by, by watching people, you know, you're learning a lot about what you don't want. You're, right. learning, you're learning a lot by simply observing others who may feel the clock ticking, uh, who may feel that uh, they want to replicate what their parents uh, taught them. They may think that they should find someone by now because if they want to settle down and have a family, I should have a career. I should find a partner that's a, a good match for me. And what you're saying is some people tend to uh, make a decision that's not necessarily based on the criteria that you have. So why don't you talk about what your criteria are? In other words, the attraction factor, that equally yoked uh, aspect yeah. we were talking about, that, that X factor, that, that it factor, which yeah. for you has everything to do with what you're looking for in terms of what you're attracted to, but it's not necessarily someone who's going to be the best mom for your kids. That's not the first order of of uh, importance for you. What I know about you is you're looking for someone who's a really good partner in life, and and then and and then you move from there. In other words, you're looking for that emotional spiritual connection that yeah. that makes you feel that that sense of real connection, and it's yeah. beyond and it's beyond the attraction. In other words, what attracts you also is that X factor or that equally yoked factor. So tell us what you've learned recently about what's equally yoked. What does that mean to you? And, and so how, how have you learned to be more clear today than you were even six months ago about what you're seeking? Well, um, you know, I, I think, you know, your first question in terms of what it is that I'm looking for, you pretty much hit it on the head. I mean, you've known me for a long time and you know, yes, I, I am looking for someone who I consider to be equally yoked, someone who I consider to be um, uh, someone who, who with whom I have a soul connection, you know, and, and I, you know, through what I do and, and through the work that I do, through my hobbies, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a dancer. I, I take a lot of dance classes in New York City. I've met a lot of females. I've met a lot of very attractive females, but uh, I'm not attracted. They're, they're attractive, but in terms of having a loving, soulful connection, uh, I'm not very interested in most of them because what I'm looking for is that X factor. And, you know, I'll share, um, you know, uh, some experiences that happened uh, in the last, you know, six months to a year or so. Um, so, you know, I, I would say for the past, actually for the past five, 10 years, you know, I, I had been, uh, you know, the, the people that I have chosen to date and chosen to focus on the, the women um, have all been, uh, you know, of, of the artistic, uh, you know, they've been artistic, they have been uh, dancers, they have been um, just artistically minded people. You know, and um, I definitely felt like I was very, you know, like like there was a soul attraction to these women. However, um, 
you know, in the past there, you know, I ran into issues with maturity, with- um, or, them lack, my, or lack thereof. Or, yeah, well, that's exactly what it is, or <laughs> lack thereof, you know? And, uh, you know, I, I feel unique because um, I, I, I feel like I am an artist in a way, you know, I, I have an artistic personality, um, but I, I'm also, you know, very logical as well. And you you're, know, al- you're also an engineer. I'm an engineer. You know, I, I have a career, um, you know, and I'm, and I'm looking to move forward in life. And so, you know, for a while I was you know, dating other artists, but I found that a lot of artists didn't, meet the maturity level that I was really looking for, you know, and, and we were able to talk about some really beautiful things. And, you know, we would, I mean, they would literally like, they would not literally, but you know, they would make my soul dance, you know, I would get into some conversations with some of these, with some of these people, with some of these girls, and they really just lit my soul on fire. You know, like I, I can remember, conversations and times and times of being out on a lake and times of being in the car. I mean, I can remember so many different beautiful conversations, but, you know, sadly, you know, uh, these people, again, you know, when it came down to the logical aspect of love and relationships, meaning maturity, meaning, you know, um, you know, is it, okay, great. We have the feelings, but is it really going to work out practically that wasn't there. And so what happened was uh, in the beginning of 2020, I met uh, a woman, a a girl who was actually a woman, a woman, say a woman. Uh, She's 30. And um, she was from my engineering job. And this, you know, uh, this to me was a very new, um, I guess you could call it a new situation, a new type of person to get used to because... Yes, because you'd been with the, with the dancing world, with the artistic energy, with the glamour of that. And, and this person that you had begun to date and get to know was a whole different kettle of fish, as they say, a whole different gestalt, a whole different uh, kind of personality. So, so tell us what you learned about being equally yoked from this experience and then subsequently? Yeah, so um, <clears throat> right from the start, I, you know, I, I realized, or I, I had a pretty strong inclination in my, in my mind, in my heart, that, that her and I, and I don't know, would you like me to mention her name? or No, right? not necessary. Okay. We want to protect her privacy. Of course. So her and I, um, you can give her a, a fictional name, a fictitious name. You can, you can uh, call her Sally if you want, because it's not even close. Okay, we'll call her Sally. Let's <laughs> um, see if I re- <laughs> excuse me if I remember the same fictional name throughout the whole story, but um, we'll call her Sally. So me and Sally, uh, it became pretty clear very quickly that Sally and I were not on the same wavelength. Um, uh, in terms of that, in terms of that X factor, in terms of being equally yoked, in terms of having that soul connection, right? And yet, there's always an and yet, there were many aspects to the relationship that very sweet, very loving, very affectionate. So it was it was tempting to stay in it, wasn't it? It was it tempting was. to to see if maybe there was more there that you didn't see. It was tempting to perhaps certainly during COVID to take advantage of the opportunity to have companionship at a time when people are isolated and and no one likes being alone. So this was a wonderful opportunity to kind of go within uh, literally and and because you couldn't go out much and to really nurture the possibilities of this connection with Sally. So what what did you eventually discover about yourself in this process? Um, well, what I discovered about myself in, in my relationship with Sally is that I had grown a whole lot um, from my previous relationships. And 
you know, I, uh, you know, the relationship with Sally lasted about nine months. And, you know, I, I knew one or two months into it, I had a strong feeling that we weren't equally yoked. But the reason that I, that I allowed it to, you know, continue for nine months was because, um, yes, I mean, you know, we were in a pandemic and it was, it was really nice to be able to spend time with somebody on that level uh, in an intimate way during a pandemic, you know. And, and let's face it, you you became friends. Uh, you you had yeah. great affection for, for one another. You could even say that you have uh, uh, developed a, a love for one another on, on various levels. And yet, what did you, if, if we understand everything's energy and our bodies don't lie, what did you begin to discover as you're spending more and more time with Sally, what did you discover about your energy? I discovered that almost every time that Sally and I spent time together, regardless of how long we spent together on that day or what we did, when I would be driving back home from Sally's apartment, I would feel um, emotionally drained. I would feel like I had no energy left. And physically drained. You had and physically. You, and you had trouble sleeping. I actually did have physical symptoms, right? Like I, I, I had trouble sleeping. Uh, I remember many days feeling tired, feeling not completely all there, a bit, a bit mentally foggy. Um, and I... I I do remember, you know, these as characteristics of this relationship. Yeah, and, um, and, and I want to underscore, you were energetically drained. You were not yes. energetically fueled. You were not energetically uplifted in the way that equally yoked people, people who have the it factor, people who have that X factor, that mysterious connection, uh, that connection is euphoric and it fuels energy and you and you energize one another that was not the case between you and sally no it wasn't um and and you know the interesting thing <clears throat> the interesting thing to note is that this is you know in a way as i you know just said a minute ago i did realize a bit of that while the relationship was taking place i realized it pretty quickly. However, a lot of my biggest realizations took place after the relationship ended. So while the relationship was taking place, there were a lot of things going on in my head. I mean, I did feel that, you know, you know, if you want to call it a truth, I did feel that. But I also, I mean, I'm a human being, right? So what I also felt was a longing to be with somebody, a feeling like, a feeling that if, if I ended things with her, I'd probably do better for my soul. But it's a pandemic. I'll be by myself until the pandemic ended, you know, and maybe that wouldn't have been true, but it's a fear, right? And I spent a longer period of time giving into that fear than I wanted to. Um, but, you know, at the end, things have a weird way of working out anyway. So, um, so long story short, because it is kind of a long a convoluted story about its ending and the aftermath. Oh yeah. What you what you began to notice, and this is probably another conversation we could have later, about what, what we notice about uh, what we think is love and what love really is, to the extent that we if, that we really believe that we need someone else, that we need someone else to be okay, and then when we don't have them, we we are we are in a state of brokenness and we are bereft, and uh, we go cuckoo. Yeah. Temporarily. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, definitely. So what happened after you went cuckoo temporarily? <laughs> Ah, uh, so after I, the, the, the temporarily that uh, Sheila is discussing is a period of about three months. So, yes, uh, after the three month period, we can say temporarily, but believe me, when you're in that three month period, it, it feels not. like forever. It just, <laughs> exactly. it, you, you are in hell forever, you know? You just, you know, yeah. and, and you can't get enough wine. I really thought it was <laughs> never going to end. And I, and I, you know, and, and actually something, you know, I, 
something happened at, at the end that I just completely didn't expect. Um, and so, uh, you know, I, I, again, for about three months, uh, Sally and I, you know, we, we actually had broken up uh, and then we spent about three, well, I spent about three months really kind of reconsidering and going back and forth. Trying to get her back. Trying to get her back. And that really didn't go very well. Uh, and that's okay. And that's, you know, it's... it's and, 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 and later when we look back, although while we're in it, we're suffering terribly. When you look back, you can say to yourself, whoa, that was quite a ride. And then you can begin to unpack it and to understand more about yourself that leads you to be open if you have the courage to do so to be open to meeting someone else who could perhaps crack you open in another way or give you another experience of yourself that you never thought you would have after having that painful disappointing situation right right and so you know, it's, it was, it was really eye-opening for me. And, and so what, what happened uh, is that one night in, uh, it was, it was a Sunday and in the beginning of January, just about a month ago, um, I uh, actually, it started by me receiving an email from Sally and Sally had uh, ghosted me for months and that was very painful for me and uh, so I received an email uh, from Sally uh, and, and the email was uh, not the nicest <laughs> toned email it was a bit mean and, and the email was really revealing to me um, another aspect of Sally you didn't know was there yeah about who she was as a person right and so uh, you know it was it was a bit liberating actually because i thought all along that you know oh she's this really great person and you know well, maybe you, hurt yeah, her. you thought you thought all along you were mourning one face of sally when another face showed up and said oh gosh i guess i'm glad i'm not with sally because this is a face i didn't see <laughs> right? yeah and, and you know what the funny thing is that one of the ass one of the things that really hurts our relation uh the relationship i had with sally is that sally um, she was a bit insecure and she was a bit insecure. With no, 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 no. That. She was not a bit insecure. She was over the top insecure. Give an example of this insurity. Um, give an example of her insecurity. Uh, she would not <laughs> go to certain, she would not go to certain kinds of restaurants that serve particular kinds oh. of food because yeah. you, you might have been there with someone else. So Sally was Indian, uh, is Indian. And uh, one of my ex-girlfriends before Sally was also Indian. Um, and at the very beginning of my relationship with Sally, actually was on our first date, she had asked me if I had ever eaten Indian food. Um, and, you know, casually I said, you know, well, yeah, I, I uh, one of my ex-girlfriends was is Indian and so was uh, Part of our relationship, we went to an Indian, we went to a couple Indian restaurants. So, so yes, I have tried it, um, and that's how I answered the question. And you know, nothing, nothing overly, uh, nothing more complicated, right? Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, in the nine months that Sally and I were together, she refused to go to an Indian restaurant of any kind uh, with me um, or eat any type of Indian food at all because she didn't want me to be reminded of my ex. Um, she also, you know, when we would take drives. I'm going to, I just, I'm going to interrupt, forgive me. But so tell us about how she wouldn't allow you to call her any endearment. You couldn't call her babe, dear, honey, beloved. You couldn't call her any endearment off limits because because I had called my ex-girlfriend those things. <laughs> and or you might have called someone else an endearment. Yes, so... Um, so you could not speak to her in those soft, whispered tones and say, baby doll, sweetheart, dearest. She would not allow it. And so right. That, right, that, that puts up a barrier to any lover, right? And it was, yeah, and it was difficult. You know, it was 
difficult to, you know, it kind of sounds funny, but it was difficult to always have to call her by her name when we're in a relationship. You or, know? You, or you're in the middle of a sweet moment. And I have to use her first name. I mean, you know, it's, uh, it was, you know, a bit, you know, it's just a little, um, I don't know if weird is the right word, but it was just, it was difficult. And, and the thing too is that not only could I not call her any endearing terms, she the only endearing term that I really got away with was beautiful. That's the only endearing term I really got away with with her. I'm, su I'm surprised she allowed that. Uh, me too, actually. But the funny thing is that she also never called me any endearing terms either. Not even, I think in nine months, she called me handsome two or three times maximum. Three times max. Um, and to me, that would be so painful because I'm very verbal. I, well, I'm also touchy-feely, but I love to call my special guy all kinds of loving names. I love to say, I'm so happy to see you, darling. What can I get for you, sweetheart? You know, that kind of thing. And I love to hear it back. So it's a way of, of, of showing love and expressing love that was cut off to you. You were not allowed, which creates barriers, which is, you know, when we're talking about... Uh, uh, making love better. We, we make love better when we can use endearments, when we can feel free to show that love and to express that love. And she didn't allow that. Yeah. Because yeah. of why? Because of her insecurities. And I'm, I'm underscoring this because in our lives, as we are choosing life partners, it's the most important decision any of us make ever, as many of us know, because the divorce rate is so high, you know, in this country, perhaps throughout the world. But the point is that the reason that's an important choice for us is that based on that, we're sharing our very lives, the substance of our lives. My husband and I wrote our own marriage contract. It's called in Judaism, a ketubah. In Hebrew, it's called a ketubah. And so we, we wrote our own um, wedding contract, marriage contract. And at the end of that declaration, we said to each other, and we pledge here too with one another, the very substance of our lives. And the point is that when you say I do, when you are married, you have no idea what you're saying I do to. It's the great uncertainty of life. Anything can happen at any time. And these two people who claim to love one another must be prepared to love each other literally in sickness and in health. So as you go down the path of a life together, you've got ups and downs with careers and children and financial turbulence and, and challenges and, and uh, family interactions, you name it. It's, it's, you know, all kinds of uncertainty is gonna come your way. And you need to choose a partner with whom you can ride that ship together. And, and weather the storm together and, be, and have each other's back in every way. So that choice really matters. So that when you do have children, if you do have children, you co-parent in harmony, not in conflict, right? So, so it's really important. So when you are right out of the gate with a relationship that you're kind of wondering, you know, is this a possibility for me? Is this someone I want to spend more time with? Is this someone that I can do the, the long haul with? And right at the very beginning of that relationship, they're putting up one barrier after another. Why? Because they're insecure. That insecurity will haunt both of you forever. Forever, because... That insecurity will creep up when you least expect it because it will create suspicion. It will create paranoia. It will create attack and counterattack. It will create defensiveness. It will create a lack of trust by definition, which you began to see, right? So there was someone that had been kind of a casual friend of yours yeah. in the dance world that Sally became fiercely jealous of for no reason. You gave her no reason. You had no, no real interaction with this person. Let's call this other person Peggy, right? Because Peggy is not even close to her name. Okay, so we have Sally not and Peggy. Even close. <laughs> <laughs> right, wow. so, so Peggy was someone that Sally was, was 
consumed with, she was obsessed with, that you that you should even like something of Peggy's on Instagram, for heaven's sake. I, I think that Sally thought about Peggy more than she thought about me, her own boyfriend. <laughs> it, exactly. Because why? Because she was insecure. So right. the insecurity wasn't about you. It was about her. And this really points to what you and I've talked about over the years we've been together. And that is the importance in really taking care of business first in terms of loving and accepting yourself first so that you're not putting your insecurity on someone else's shoulders. So by the way, I am fiercely attracted to men who are self-confident who love their lives, take care of their health, and have a sense of purpose in life. So I have been blessed to have been married to someone who loved himself, loved his life. Well, there are some caveats there, but no, he was smart. He was able to to navigate, (coughs) But, but he had a sense of purpose. He took care of his health, and he loved me fiercely. And since he's passed, I've had, as you know, a couple of very special people in my life, one of whom has been, what I, I call him my special lover. And, but what attracts me to him is he's fiercely self-confident. He loves his life. Whenever he's come to visit me, sometimes he'll pass by my office as he's making his rounds. Not now, not during COVID, but anyway, used to, you know, he's been in my life almost 15 years. So, you know, we, we come and go, he's in and out and back and forth. But he came in one day and he had had a really rough day. It was a rainy day. He kind of was shaking himself off, you know, kind of shook his hat off and stuff like that. And he said, God, I love my life. I hope they keep me till I'm 90. (laughs) Now, that energy travels. It's contagious for someone to love their life and, and love their and be comfortable in their own skin so that they do not put their insecurity on your shoulders and they don't put their misery on your shoulders either. And so to the extent that some people are not happy with themselves, their misery or their unhappiness with themselves or their insecurity with themselves will visit it upon you. And so what did you discover next about Peggy and the difference between Peggy and Sally? The story is fascinating. It's very fascinating. It still is shocking me. It's shocking. It's emerging and, you know, there'll be part two, three of the story, but, but just, just in terms of what you've realized, just in this kind of happenstance reconnection with Peggy after you broke up with Sally and Sally was fiercely jealous of Peggy for no reason and kind of, you know, (laughs) kind of interest in, in an interesting way, kind of Peggy kind of popped back into your life, although she lives somewhere else in the world. Yeah, she, she does live, uh, somewhere else, uh, not, not here in, New York City. Um, so, you know, just a, a tiny, tiny bit of uh, background is that Peggy and I uh, have been, you know, we, we've been casual friends for about a year, year and a, no, more about a year and a half, two years. I, I think but but very casual and in the dance world and maybe semi-flirtatious, but nothing serious, nothing substantive. Right. Right. But one thing, one thing with Peggy was that, you know, Peggy always, um, always inspired me because of the fact that she loves her life so much. And she has these very, very specific uh, goals and she fights tooth and nail for her goals. And, um, you know, there's a, there's a bit of an age difference between us, but well, in, in two or three years, it won't seem like so much. Right now. It's right, like- right. But she, I, I don't know that anybody has inspired me quite the way that, that she has, even though, I, again, it was casual friendship. So anyway, um, on the day, on the exact day that I received this email from Sally, um in the not the nicest way telling me that she just never wanted to hear from me again. 
Um, actually, the reason she told me she didn't want to hear from me again is because uh, I was still friends with Peggy and she wanted me to stop talking with Peggy forever. Well, let, 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 let's just, let, let's, let's, ref let's clarify that. Friends with Peggy was making a comment on her Instagram account. Friends with Peggy was not about any personal connection, not about right. any romantic involvement. So I just want to clarify, Friends with Peggy is about the, the horrible kind of misunderstanding that, that often social media creates in relationships. But it was liking something, commenting, you, you look great today, or that was a great routine, when, when Peggy might have uh, posted some dance routine or something. Correct. Correct. And, and I had attempted to explain to Sally many times uh, the nature of our communication on Instagram and, you know, why it is that we communicate on Instagram in the first place. And, and you know, in a certain way, friend, we're friends. So why should we even have to explain why we communicate on Instagram? But, you know, I, I did attempt to um, explained to Sally why I was communicating with Peggy on Instagram and just Peggy's story. And I also attempted to have them meet each other, uh, you know, over, over Zoom, over uh, any sort of video chat. But, you know, Sally always refused this. Um, so words, anyway. In other words, you were trying to, uh, to calm Sally down. You're trying to reassure her that there's no hanky-panky going on, on here with Peggy. She's a friend, and, and you might even like her, Sally, so let me introduce you. That was a very generous uh, thing to do and a very loving thing to do, but Sally would have none of it because of her insecurity. Right. Right, so continue. So anyway, with that background having gotten out of the way, so the same exact day that Sally had sent me this email, um, later, later at night, um, I went to a, a friend's house and um, I, this friend, kind, of, kind of to lick your wounds? Yeah, you know, just, uh, I had actually planned to go to his house already uh, before I had received this email because I was mm -hmm. not expecting to receive the email. Um, but yeah, you know, he was definitely helping me out. He had helped me out for the three months before that helping me to just kind of uh, get through the the tough times at uh, least that stage of the tough times little did you know the various stages of the roller coaster ride you were on emotionally <laughs> exactly right but you know some friends like he was always there and he's you know he's he's a very busy guy but you know he always found time to uh help make me you know help help me get through these things especially. so you so you show up at his place to spend the evening and what happened so we actually had a um kind of a random it definitely wasn't planned you know in the dance community a lot of us are friends and connected and so peggy is also friends with this other friend um yeah and so we had a video chat with, with you know between the three of us me peggy and my friend terrific uh, and in this video chat, you know, uh, we this video chat lasted about you know, four hours, and we, you know, so there was. Oh, that's some that's some video chat. <laughs> like Ten at night to two in the morning, or some crazy time like that. But you know, there was a time where um, uh, my friend had, you know, went and did his own thing, and it was Peggy and I just on this on talking as as we many times had before. And so Peggy. Um, revealed to me that she had had a crush on me ever since she met me. Uh -huh. um, and of course, had you told her what happened between you and Sally? Cause she, she knew something was going on. So she knew the general situation and actually she somewhat knew her role in it, but she did not know what happened that day. Um, she had no idea that earlier that same day I had gotten this nasty email from Sally. So uh, it was, the, the timing was incredible. Uh, As I and, say, there are no coincidences, Justin. There are no coincidences. So yeah. Pure, you know, pure synchronicity at work in the universe. I love it. Go on. You know, it was, 
it was so, I don't even know the word to describe it. I mean, I want to say crazy, but maybe crazy is a bit of a negative connotation. But Well, crazy is another way of saying go out of your mind. And go out of your mind is a good thing sometimes because our mind can be very limiting. So go into your imagination, go into your heart. And yeah, and, you know, so the crazy thing is that, you know, so Peggy reveals this to me and I was like, my jaw was pretty much on the floor because I, I had to sweep it off the floor. <laughs> um, so after sweeping my jaw up off the floor, I, I was actually pretty speechless. I, I think when she told me I was very speechless with her as well. And I actually told her, I was like, I'm speechless. Like, and I, and I, you know, after that, I actually, you know, I, um, you know, one thing with Peggy is that Peggy and I were always friends. In the very beginning of our friendship, however, we had somewhat loosely considered being more than friends, but it was just a, you know, kind of, I would say like a 10, 15 minute conversation, and then we never considered it again. Well, as I recall, she was getting out of or still in a relationship with someone? Um, yeah, I mean, she... I, I think that she had just gotten out of a relationship with someone, but, you know, on top of that, you know, she, some, she brought up some issues with her family that may have gotten in the way of different religions. Exactly. And that, and that is another conversation, but, is, yeah. uh, uh, which is interesting because it is a factor. Absolutely. Right. So, but, but I, I want, I want you to underscore what the gift of reconnecting with Peggy was and why this synchronicity is so stunning. So tell us because we're, we're short on time. I'm having to watch the clock now. So sure. tell, tell us what you learned that was so important to you in comparison with or contradistinction with your experience with Sally. Well, one of the things that I learned really quickly was that um, one of the things I always knew was that me and Peggy got along so well. We, 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 I mean, I, I always told you, Sheila, that we got along like a warm knife through butter. We, we exactly. really had that so, soul connection. Exactly. So, you know, you want to define that for the sake of those listening, because getting along is for you based on what you need. What do you need? You need that emotional and spiritual soul connection, right? Which you were missing with Sally. You did not right. have that. And you kept trying to step over it. You tried to, you kept trying to make excuses for it, or maybe we'll develop it, or maybe in time it'll become more. And either it's there or it's not, which is why I want to get back to this equally yoked, this, this X factor, this, this it factor, which either it's there or it's not. And you can uncover it and you can discover it more and you can develop it and you can grow with it. But quite frankly, it's either there or it's not. And, and in this stage of your life, it's so important for you to recognize that in the initial discovery of someone, you're going to recognize either that X factor, that equally yoked aspect is there or it's not. Don't try to make it something it's not. And what you discover with Peggy is, oh, Oh my goodness, there it is. It's so yeah. easy. It's like knife and butter. It's so easy. And that's really important for those people listening to us who are trying to figure it out. Well, maybe if I just give this more time, maybe I'll just, you know, maybe I'll just settle. Maybe it'll be okay. Well, I don't think so. So, so tell me more. In other words, and this is an example, perhaps, and that's for another conversation, where because of some of the constraints or limitations that you've alluded to in terms of different religions, and she's in another country, and her family, and all that sort of thing, maybe this is one of those examples of someone we meet for a reason or a season, maybe not for a lifetime. But the gift of this, this connection for you has taught you so much about yourself. So that's the nature of this conversation today, for you to share what you learned about you in this exchange, just the past few weeks. So it's only been uh, a month, maybe maybe a month, right? Uh, almost, almost. Not quite a month, but almost. Um, what I've learned about myself, <clears throat> what I can tell you 
is that this past month, ever since she revealed that to me, has been one of the happiest and most inspirational months, almost I, I could say of my life. I mean, the I had such a fast turnaround from being uh, depressed, from being down uh, over Sally. Uh, I would say in, in about 48 hours or so, that was gone. It was just completely turned off. And um, I just never looked back. Uh, you know, as pretty much as soon as I found out that, that, that this was real, that she had feelings for me, I realized in a way that I had feelings for her too, but they were just right under the surface. And, and um, I was so happy. I was so happy. And, she, you know, just the, the, the connection that her and I have every single day inspires me to get back to my artistic self, to get back to the part of myself that I had ignored um, during my relationship with Sally, because Sally wouldn't even accept that part of myself. Exactly. Sally was threatened by your dancing world. Right, right. And, and so you really kind of backed off from that. And it's important for anyone in our lives who claims to be a friend, a significant other, a girlfriend, boyfriend, if they can't celebrate what we love, we got a problem here. We have yeah. a real problem. So what you're telling me is that you've discovered the joy of being able to be yourself with someone who wants to know you better. You, you're, you've discovered the, the joy of, of being allowed to be yourself with someone who listens and also who shares with, 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 equal, with equanimity and with, well, as you said, equally yoked. In other words, you're feeling this balance. You're feeling this uh, reciprocity. It's a two-way street. With your, with your ex-girlfriend before Sally, there was no reciprocity. It was not an equal sharing, which contributed to your tremendous frustration and sadness. So what you had with Sally was, was a lack of sharing. She put up the walls and the barriers and the constrictions and the restrictions. So you could not be you. You could not be fully you. You had to stop doing certain things. You had to hold back on calling her sweet names. You, 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 you couldn't go to a, a restaurant which food you would enjoy because she would be jealous. You begin to see the difference between a relationship that has possibilities and a relationship that is doomed. Right. Right. Now, right. You, may, you may be doomed in your relationship with Peggy for the long haul only because of some of these distance and family and religious constrictions, which, which need to be paid attention to. You don't, you don't have to have a Romeo and Juliet story here where you end up committing suicide because you can't be together, right? Right, right, right. So, but, but there's a value in having uh, already experienced yourself with someone so that you know it's possible to have a two-way street. It's possible to be in a relationship where someone celebrates you and you can celebrate her. Yeah, absolutely. It's not a contest and there's no insecurity that is holding you back from being yourself. Right, right. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I think that this time and it has shown me and, and of course, we don't know what's going to happen in the future, but there are some constraints, some physical constraints. Um, what this time has shown me is, is exactly what you said, Sheila, is that it's possible and that this is how I should feel when I am in a relationship. This is how I want to feel. Thank you. I was going to say, take out the should. Take this out the should. Because it, well, that's how you want to feel. That's how you deserve to feel. That's how you crave feeling because that's, you want to feel everything. You want to be able to feel free to be you, whatever that is. Yes. Yes. If you don't have that with a significant other, if you don't have that with a girlfriend who might possibly become your life partner, you are looking at a life of misery. 
I was married to a man who celebrated who I was. He was jealous and possessive, but he was smart. So every time I'd say, okay, back off. That's ridiculous. He, he was smart enough to say, you're right, blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm sorry. I forgot myself. But he celebrated me. He celebrated my talent. He celebrated my achievements. He did not put me in a position of having to hold back on being me, whatever that involved, ever. And, and likewise with him, of course. I mean, to me, that's a given. You know, when you see yourself as a queen or a king in a relationship, the queen uh, can afford to give her king his space. The king can afford to give his queen her space. Why? Because they know who they are. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, it's so crazy how in this relationship, uh, you know, whatever you want to consider this right now, because, um, because she's about 2,500 miles away, it's uh, hard to be in a, an official relationship. <clears throat> but, nonetheless, but nonetheless, it's a significant connection and experience of one another. So if you're not in person, but you do see each other through video uh, chats, as I understand it. And sometimes you're on the phone to the wee hours of the morning. So you are connected and it's the connection that matters. Yes. So yes. granted, you don't have the physical proximity right now. And who knows what will happen if and when you do. And if and when you do, you might have some of those constraints you were talking about in terms of her parents and her limitations. So, you know, that's another factor. But right now, uh, you're, you're free to be you and she's free to be her, herself in this exchange when you have nothing but the essence of who you are to deal with. In other words, you're not there, she's not here, but that doesn't matter. Right. It doesn't right. matter. And also notice, are you ever exhausted? Aside from staying oh. up till two in the morning. Well, yeah, ever, actually. In other, in other words, are you, are you fueled by or exhausted by Peggy? Fueled, definitely. I mean, every time we talk, I, you know, I can't go to bed right away. I get so much energy uh, from, from talking to her. And it's, it's not necessarily, a, I mean, it is a physical energy, but I, I think more so what I feel is, is um, energy on that soul level. Um, I, you know, that, that inspirational energy that, that I guess we could call it a high vibrational energy. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I feel like so much more is put into me than what I put out. And, and I put out a lot, you know, of course, but, uh, you know, contrary to the situation with Sally, where I would be driving home feeling exhausted, you know, on, on ev every level possible. <clears throat> and and of course with Sally we were seeing each other in person because she's she's right here in, in New York City I'm in Queens and she's in Manhattan and with Peggy who's in another country uh, in a neighboring country um, we have so much of a better time so much of a better connection and I leave our chats our video chats feeling uh, fueled inspired just plain old amazing and the interesting thing about it is that we don't even see each other in person we see each other virtually uh so it almost doesn't even matter uh to a certain extent uh whether you, you know seeing each other in person or not exactly uh you you know about uh, some of the special people in my life. So uh, I'll refer to uh, a special guy who's, you know, down, uh, you know, five hours south of me. And uh, uh, I don't have a, an opportunity to see him in person lately. Uh, actually, the last time I saw him was the end of June. But when we talk on the phone, I am fueled every single time. We have such a sweet reciprocity. We're both excited about so many things that we share. We share a love of all kinds of music. We share a love of cooking and different spices and herbs and combinations. We share uh, an ongoing love of, of wellness and aspects of wellness. So, you know, there's a whole broad spectrum of, of topics that we can discuss. But the point is that my connection with this special man in my life 
fuels me and I know it fuels him, right? And, and yet I haven't seen him in person for a very long time. But the point is, it doesn't matter because the connection is what matters. The quality of connection is what matters. The, the way in which I can be myself, the way in which you can be yourself matters. Right. So that right. in any relationship that you have or I have, we're learning how important it is to be who we are in every relationship we have so that we can be loving because love is who we are. That's who we are. And uh, Eric Fromm is a very famous psychologist to me. He's a, also a famous philosopher. He wrote a, a classic years ago, decades ago, called The Art of Loving. And he says, love is an attitude. And he talks about how love is not, not about something for, that you feel for one person. Love is something that you share because you are in touch with who you are. So therefore, you can be loving to anybody at any time. It doesn't depend on a particular person. But when you have the kind of relationship that we're talking about in choosing our life partners, it's important that we can be in that relationship in which we can be ourselves, in which we can be fully loving, fully <laughs> engaged, fully creative, in whatever way we naturally have an inclination to be creative. And that in that relationship, we celebrate one another. We don't limit one another. In love, there's no room for jealousy, which I reminded my husband of. And actually, you know, as the years went by, his jealousy and his possessiveness waned because he began to see that that was not necessary. But at first I had to train him. <laughs> But, but um, was an element of that. Yeah, and, and very often, you know, people who are inherently perhaps jealous or possessive, they've had a, a, a in, in many cases, a tragic loss. And my husband lost his, lost his mother when he was 10 years old. He found her in a bathtub and she had had a brain hemorrhage and she died. So all of his life, he was afraid of losing anyone that he loved. So that becomes kind of that irrational fear. So I understood that. So I put that in perspective. And so I, I was able to be compassionate toward him when, or, when I would otherwise have pounded him for being jealous or possessive towards me. But I would say, sweetheart, I'm not going anywhere. I love you. I, I, know, I know what's going on. Just know I'm, I'm here. So I would address his jealousy, his possessiveness on the level of understanding what was triggering him, right? right. <clears throat> and and we, we owe that to the people we love to begin to understand what triggers them. Why are they behaving like a crazy person right now? And perhaps had you stayed with, with uh, Sally long enough, you might have discovered more about where her often what I would call irrational fears came from. But because the it factor wasn't there, because the X factor wasn't there, because you were not equally yoked, you couldn't have gone the distance because you couldn't be you. Right, right. And whether or not you can go the distance in one way or another with Peggy, the gift that you're giving each other right now is you can each be who you are. With, with freedom, you're liberated. You can be yourself, you can laugh, you can giggle, you can talk about your ideas, your creativity, your dreams, all of those things. And you can celebrate each other. And that's to me what we all want in terms of making love better. So Justin, I wanna thank you for being a part of this important conversation. I wanna thank you for being transparent. I wanna thank you for sharing you with us and with me. So this is Sheila Pearl saying goodbye for now. Until next time, let's talk about making love better. Bye for now.